the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Well, hello. What up? Welcome to this week's episode of Relevant Recovery. We are so glad you are tuning in. We have a special request today, by the way. Already? From Trey. Okay, what does Trey want? Trey was very sad that you don't say Maherpaderp anymore. Oh, that's true. So I'll get to that. Okay, I'll do that again. I'll tell him. Do your thing, girl. All right, so this show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. Uh, We are a substance use disorder services and education uh, 501c3 nonprofit. And um, we aim to help the community, people struggling with substance use disorder of any type, and their family members find complete and total healing and recovery. So if you are- Total healing? It's possible. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm recovered. (laughs) (laughs) I'm recovered from the hopeless state of mind and body. Maybe. Um, Anyways, if you or a loved one would like any information about the services we offer- We have an outpatient clinic uh, on the Northwest Loop. You don't even got to leave the loop. You enter loopers. That's right. You You, can go see Candy Pants. You can call us at 844-AND-HOPE. That's 844-263-4673. Or visit our websites, matthewshope.org. But that's more about the foundation mission. And then the main website is mhdrp.org. Or in other words, maherpaderp.org. For Trey. (laughs) Thank you. There you go, Trey. (laughs) And so you can reach out either one of those ways. And we're really grateful that you're checking us out today. Thank you so much. Um, I can't tell you how cool it is that two idiots were able to get on a microphone and somehow have a podcast, a radio show. Like, I don't I don't get this at all, but we're completely grateful and we're thankful to anybody who checks us out. And as you know, you listen to us on KPRC 950 AM in Houston, Sundays, 1 p.m. Central, you can check us out live anywhere outside of Houston on the iHeartRadio app. KPRC 950 has a channel there. Sunday at 1. Sunday at 1. Mm-hmm. Or? At 5 p.m. every Sunday, our show is broadcast out to all platforms. We are on iHeart, Apple, Podcast, Amazon, Alexa, Spotify, Spotify yeah. Podbean, you name it. And iHeart, of course. Yeah, so go check us out. Check check out our, our past episodes. Um, I love- We're also, by the way, mm-hmm. you guys may have noticed out there that I am spam requesting following people on Instagram, so I had to- um, You took it away from me. I had to reluctantly take Instagram away from Heather because, like for good reason- um, I wasn't I doing anything with it. Yeah. I get on the Facebook, I don't do the Instagram, and they're connected. Somehow you can like link accounts. But and we so, haven't posted since May of So last I was just year. assuming when I post on Facebook, it posts on Instagram, and apparently it wasn't. So we found that yeah. out, and I will do Facebook, Donnie will do Insta, and you're, you're heavily doing that. It was great. Yeah, yeah, and I'm enjoying it. Um, I have to be careful. Uh, social media is really bad for me because I can get hooked on it like you are where I'm staring at that stupid little box in my hand 24-7 and getting nothing else done in life. It's great. 
Or the other Bulls. problem for me is there's lots of scantily clad women to draw your attention, and I don't like that. you got to be careful with your algorithms, because I don't have that problem at all on my social media. So far, I'm doing good. So far, my algorithm is like a ton of like religious stuff, some political, and a lot of recovery. So yeah. I'm, I'm good right now. Good. Happy. Um, I'm happy for you. I love that for you. For you. For you. Uh, so check in. Like, uh, there's a couple of things we want to do this year. Yeah. Try something different. And by the way, reach out to us anytime on Facebook or Instagram at Relevant Recovery Radio and on Instagram at Relevant Recovery Podcast. Yeah. Um, but reach out to us and say, hey, I like it. I don't like it. I have a show idea. I'd love for y'all to talk about this or that. Yep. So a couple of things we want to do this year is first, there's 12 months in the year. So and once a month. There's 12 steps. Once a month, we are going to dedicate a show to a, the step of the month. Yep. Number two, I, I told you on the car ride here, these are ideas that just pop in my head. So Lovely. some of them are awesome and some of them are absolutely horrendous. Most. Like a weekly check-in. Like where are you at on your growth steps? What are the growth steps, Heather? 10, 11, and 12. And what are they? Quick. Uh, like the actual wording of it? Yeah. Step 10 is yeah. continue. Daily no. spot check. 11 no. is. Oh, you're, not, you want me to yeah, describe. Yeah, something simple. So step 10 is keeping my side of the street clean from my selfishness or resentment during the day as I go through the day. Realigning self back to God's will. Step 11 is prayer and meditation practices in the morning and in the evening um, to start my day with God and at the end review my day in corrective measures. Mm -hmm. um, and 12 is carrying the message to other people, helping newcomers, helping not so newcomers, any struggling person with substance use disorder. All right. Honesty, quick, easy. Where are you at with those three? 10, I'm good, I think. Um, 11. When was your last 10 step? Um Probably last night. I talked to my sponsor last night. I had something to check in with her about and okay. give some a little bit of direction. And uh, I'm not really great at that. There's sometimes weeks or a month or two will go by without me talking to my sponsor because I'm usually under the delusion. I said quick. Evidently you missed that part. Yeah, okay. So anyways, um, step 11, I'm great in the morning and I suck in the evening. Okay. And 12. I'm very active in 12. I'm probably fanatical overcompensating in 12 for my lack of 11 at night. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right. So for me, uh, 10 is good, but it's recent. Mm -hmm. I realized yesterday I have two guys that I can really, really 10-step with that are really good for me. Uh, 11 uh, has been definitely more intentional in the last week. Um, although I didn't this morning. I got up in time just for a meeting. I will jump into it later today. But overall, in the last week, 11 has been much better in the morning. I'm the same as you. In the morning, I, it's, it's an, I don't do it at night. I just don't. Um, I used to could. I used to do it like every night almost for like more than three years. And then these last four years, I have not been consistent. Yeah. And 12, I'm making moves, right? So I've got you a guy. You got to get back in the game. Yeah. I got a guy who has had a lot going on in the month of December. He's already sober like three years, four years, something like that. Like there was mm -hmm. no rush. We're just going through the steps again. Uh, but he's ready to get back on track. I've got a couple of other guys that have been hemming and hawing, and it's time to do it or get off the pot. Like, we're not yep, playing yep, anymore, yep. like, because I need two or three people in the book because I'm insane. Yes, you do I need do. that. And I, I co-sign that. So I'm excited for you to hop back in the, the dragon saddle, the, as my sponsor calls it. The dragon saddle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when we come back, I know we got to take a break. I want to talk to you about doomsday prepping because you and I have been talking a lot about that. And I want to briefly go over that. Yeah, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Relevant Recovery Radio.
Welcome back, y'all, to Relevant Recovery Radio. Today, your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosier, in studio at iHeart Studios. So today, uh, we're eventually going to get to step one, but we were kind of doing a little check-in, a little banter. Um, Heather, how about the report on the, is it Party Sober, Sober Party? It's Party Sober Partnership, yeah. (laughs) And the Texans game. Yeah, so on New Year's Eve, we had uh, an amazing uh, sober event where we partnered with the Houston Texans, and we had a sober tailgate party at the NRG in Houston, followed with attending the NFL game of the Texans versus the Titans. And I think over 700 sober people showed up. Wow. And so it was a hugely successful event. Um, You got sick. And so we had to leave towards the end of the game, but uh, we we left at the end of the game. Yeah, the end of the game, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm just saying, I didn't get to stay for. Like, I had poopy guts. Yeah, so I didn't get to stay for the sober picture on the field, and so I'm sad about that. I'm sad about you, but um, it was a wonderfully successful event, and so party sober is really grateful for that everybody turned out and so we're moving on to the next event the next event will be in february it'll be the chili cook-off and then after that sober fest will be in may may 18th of 2024 and so if you're interested about these awesome sober events follow party sober partnership on in any social media and uh, or you can actually follow sober fest htx on facebook too all right so look for announcements incoming about the Yep. Uh, Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo Chili Cook-Off. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I mean, right. That's what the Chili Cook-Off we're talking about, right? It's February. No, it's February 24th. I know that. I don't know if it has anything to do with the rodeo. Oh. You just threw that in there. You're not even on the board, so I don't know what you're talking about. It's like a- I just created an event. <laughs> we'll see what happens. It's what I do. <laughs> an event you're not going to show up for. I create events. No. It's usually chaos, anyways, but I, wanna, I do create them. Anyways, I want to move on. So it was a successful event, but you and I were talking about something in the car that I said, hold that thought, because we need to talk a little bit on the show about that. You and I have been debating or not like fighting about it at all, but we've been talking about different levels of doomsday prepping or preparedness. Yeah. And... um it's kind of a new thing for you to be interested in. Um, <laughs> and why? Why Oklahoma? Tell me. I don't, I don't. Do you have any? Do you have any history with that? So I did, <laughs> uh, did prep in my previous life in Oklahoma. Is that an Oklahoma thing? No, I don't know. Uh, no one else did it. I was the weird one. Oh, okay. So no, I didn't know anyone else that did it. I just remember getting into like conspiracy theories when my kids were little. This says a lot about me right here, but just follow me. And so I really felt worried that like uh, the NSA was going to put a sticker on my mailbox and abduct me. And then I couldn't. Anyways, it's a whole different thing. So what I did instead was I was like, my kids were little and I, I didn't care if I die. I know where I'm going when I die. I don't have like, but I was worried about not being able to feed my children. And so I I strategically prepped just for that, for like an in-home lockdown scenario. Had no idea that would really happen later in life, but... So I did a lot of freeze-dried number 10 canned foods from a certain company, tons of store. I have floor-to-ceiling bookshelves full of, like, stored uh, safe water, drinkable. Is it called potable water? Anyways, um, iodine Portable, drop, non-portable. Not so portable. Like potable. Potable, potable that's non-potable. It. That's it. Yeah. And I had, like, sutures and medication and antibiotics. Anyways. And did it benefit someone? It did benefit. So here's what's <laughs> crazy. Um, you we, realize you're way off topic right now, but this is great. Keep going. So what ha- what happened was um, 
the world didn't end, and I didn't need it, and my children didn't need it, but I got on drugs and abandoned my whole life and moved to Texas years later. Anyways, years later, I found out that my ex-husband that lived at that house with me, that's now my ex, um, I don't know what happened with him emotionally or whatever, but he didn't have any money or electricity, and he didn't pay his bills or have running water for like a long extended time. He abandoned the house eventually. So he lost it mentally. He did. So um, Let me he, ask you something. Did your lived... first ex-husband lose it mentally? No, he's fine. Has so, he ever married again or dated? The first one, no. Or the second one, no. That oh, I know wow. of. Anyways. Pray for me, people. Anyways. Pray for me. Uh, so he ate all the freeze-dried food, and so thank God I had that there because he survived because of me. And he used all the water to flush all, the toilet yeah. and drink. So anyways, fast forward to now. You're finally into like, oh my gosh, do we need to buy land in the middle There's of nowhere? There's something going down, And son. learn how to hunt. And so anyways, I'm trying to like converse with you about this and compromise. I'm all for like uh, buying a deep freeze freezer. I'm all for buying a, a dehydrator machine. I'm all for buying a vacuum sealer thingy. But here's the beauty of us is that you read, see, know all the same things that I do. Like, you know, the stuff that's going on out there and all that. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to have an effect on you. No, not like, not like when I was crazy and young. No, I'm literally ready to quit my job, (laughs) sell everything I own, move to a plot of land in the middle of nowhere and become like an off-grid prepper. So in case our listeners don't know Donnie and I personally, there's been times in the last two years where we've argued about buying land somewhere because of your imminent danger, doom, of fear. Yeah. And um, I don't... Which one day will come true. Sure, but you can't figure out which way it's going to go down. There's You could prep a certain way and then it's something else. So like, My buddy Neil was saying that last night. He said 15 years ago, he bought 10-year dry goods supply uh-huh. and then they, they just all went bad because the you apocalypse never came right and so it's one thing to like have a food supply or the ability to hunt or antibiotics or stuff but some of this stuff had does have a shelf life even if it's 15 20 years number one number two like if you had to leave like leave where you're at because i know we're in houston if we had to leave you couldn't possibly carry the food and the ammo and the weight no, and that's, all of that like, that's you why couldn't. That's why I, we just got to quit our jobs and sell everything. And, so the, and we have to move. The other thing. And go I, live in the middle of nowhere with no friends, no contact, the, and then we'll be safe. The other thing I think is more likely is an EMP. Um, oh, Lord. And, oh, God. And so I think that we can't really prepare for that. We wouldn't even be able to use our generator or any electronic or any vehicle for that matter. Yeah. And that's so, why I have to sell my motorcycle and buy a 1970 Chevy C10. <laughs> Four-wheel drive. So these are the things in our mind and in our dinner table conversations together, uh, giving you a little window into our world. And so what is what are your thoughts, listeners, on conspiracy theories or the end of the world or doomsday prepping? Or- Last night I was sitting in James's shop after the meeting. We have our men's cigar meeting on Thursday nights. I'm sitting in the shop with him. And it was me, James, Neil, and Andrew and unfortunately, they may have gotten a window into my lunacy because <laughs> I just went on a conspiracy like. But I'm so glad you're talking to other people about this and not me. I took them on once. a journey. Because here's the deal. Like, I'm not afraid to die. And I'm not going to. If something, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to suffer. I, yeah. And I don't want to watch you suffer. I just think. If, Unless it's at my if hands. If the zombies happened, though. If the zombies happened, I told you on the way here, I'm going to, like, be the girl with the hatchets that's totally fine to take everybody out. like Cutting on the, zombie arms off. Yeah, and keep them as them in, pets. Yeah. Yep. That will be me for a little bit. Not one person that knows you 
doubt that at all. Correct. <laughs> Correct. So, Listen, we actually brought it up last night. We talk about community. Like if you're going to survive. What? Who's our doctor? Who's our medicine woman? Who's e- our, yeah? Every time I've ever had this discussion with any of our friend groups, we have different friend groups, every single one of them said, I want Heather in my community because she's our hit woman. <laughs> We'll have her kill people. <laughs> yep, that'll be my job. Listen, I can set a parameter. I can keep things safe, and I'm not afraid to get in close range and attack someone. You know that personally. I've been attacked. <laughs> I've been so, he, so. Here's here's kind of the thing though. I go back and forth with this, and you've watched it. It's like I'm like a yo-yo. Like I'm all in the news. I'm watching everything. The problem is, is that I internalize the fear. I am the one. The media is after. And what I mean by that is... Oh, you is, are incredibly disturbed by information. But what I'm saying is the powers that be, the government, the media, whatever, they're, they want us in fear, right? They want us reacting, and I am their target audience. Yeah. So I can't watch the news or the Epstein stuff or anything that's going on the border, Israel, all of this, without feeling some sort of way about it's it. It's no different than like when uh, the scamdemic first went down, you couldn't get toilet paper, right? Like... I've been homeless. I know how to handle this situation. I am not going to be the idiot at the store wiping out the shelves. Right. Like that is right. so selfish. But what I was going to say is, though, for those of us in recovery, mm-hmm. this is what was reminded to me Don't last night by fear. Neil. It's That's like, not from God. Correct. He was telling the story of the uh, the two wolves, the Indian mm-hmm. and the two wolves. And he said, which one are you going to follow? you got to feed well, one. At this Faith point, fear. I've been feeding fear, and it's time to feed God. So. Yeah. Uh, We're actually going to talk about step one. Don't go anywhere. (laughs) We'll be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio with your hosts, Heather and Donnie, on this beautiful, rainy, cold, hot Sunday afternoon <laughs> because we record early and have no idea what the weather is. Hey, I'm stoked, by the way. About what? So first of all, to f- close out what we were talking about, I have to stay away from news. It's like something I can't, I have to, but I can't. I don't know what to do. I can't do it without getting emotionally tied, but I can't stay away from it. I think I'm at the jumping off place. I think you're powerless. <laughs> uh, I think you're powerless. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, okay. So, Heather. Yeah. What makes us an alcoholic? Mm. Step one. So, we're going to talk about step one today. And for anyone who doesn't know what step one is, it's we admitted we were powerless over blank, a substance. Mm, I like that you left it open. Blank. And then there's a dash or a hyphen because there's a second thought. It says that our lives have become unmanageable, okay? Right. And so really there's two completely separate ideas when we look at step one. The first one is whether or not I personally admit powerlessness over a substance. And the second one is whether or not I can admit I suck at managing my own life. I admit that you do. (laughs) All right. And so according, and this is all just uh, 12-step language. We're covering... Language and ideas that are 12-step language, 12-step ideas. We are not pretending to be medical, clinical, any other type of professional. This is a 12-step language, which is different. That's right. All opinions stated today are that of Heather and Donnie <laughs> Disclaimer, Mother. disclaimer. Yeah. And so um, what powerlessness means, according to our literature, is having two symptoms. Okay. Only two. 
Um, I drank a fifth every day. Nope. 12 DWIs. Nope. Um, I went to jail 11 times. Nope. Um, all kinds of really crass things are coming to my mind. So what are the other things we've heard? Just all sorts of external things. Okay. Um, what are, so what is the actual? What is the actual? So what is not true is in the 12-step world, we don't care what substances you were using or how much you were using or how often you were using or any consequences you may or may not have had from using. That doesn't help us figure out if you're powerless. You may right. still have a drinking or a drugging problem. Right. But we're asking about powerlessness. And why are we stressing this? It's very important to identify with a certain type of illness because it requires a certain type of solution. Because what do we hear in the rooms all the time? Lots of things. I don't know what you're feeding for. Like the opposite. Yeah, you'll hear in the rooms opposite of like, oh, I'm an alcoholic because I got five DWIs. No, you might just be dumb. Right. Okay. You may just drive You just horrible. might be really stupid, bro. Uh, Susan, get it together. Yeah, it's Susan, Susan again. So what I'm saying is, according to 12-step literature, you have two symptoms that are both internal. One is a bodily symptom and one is a mental symptom. Okay. And so we got to look at these two symptoms. The first one is called the physical allergy. All right. What does that so, look like? It means I have an abnormal reaction when I put the substance in my body. So give me a quick example. Notice the word I said quick. Give me a quick example from your life as a drug addict. And then I'm going to give you a quick example from my life as an alcoholic. I give you a real great example. Um, so I have a physical allergy to opiates. Mm. Did not know this before I had a couple surgeries and they were prescribed to me. Okay. okay. And so what this means is uh, two, three weeks after my surgery, when I'm supposed to be weaning off and not needing the opiate medication anymore, what I start to notice is that when I put the opiate in my body, I experience something that they call the craving. I need more. My body literally feels like I didn't take enough. I just need a little bit more. One more would be better. Why do they call it an allergic reaction? Because it's an abnormal reaction that over 15% of society experience, and, and so that means there's another 85% that do not experience or develop this allergy. Okay. Now, keep in mind, this allergy, the allergic reaction is craving more, and you can only experience this type of craving once you've put the substance in your body. So in the AA language, if you haven't consumed it yet, you can't crave it yet. What about the NA language or the other fellowships that we may or may not be know, a part of? So anyways, I'm just saying <laughs> if you are sober yet craving it, the word we use is desire, not okay. craving. Because okay. that confuses people and I need people to properly understand the physical allergy. Like if I'm allergic to bees, I can only experience the hives once I get stung, not before. Mm -hmm. If I'm allergic to peanuts, I can only get anaphylactic shock once I eat the peanuts, not before. So if I'm allergic to alcohol or opiates or drugs, I can only experience the craving once I've put it in my body. Metabolically, something very rare or different happens in me that makes me feel like I haven't taken enough and I need more. So what this progressed into later was I would get prescribed, you know, 30 or 60 pills for a month and I eat them all in nine days. Wow. I eat them all in nine days because I think I need them to be okay. I don't have a clue that this is an allergic reaction that is rare and abnormal. Did you like did you like poop once a month? <laughs> or never, you know. <laughs> oh my god. All right, so what it looked like for you to experience this allergic reaction, this phenomenon of craving around alcohol. First of all, for me to recognize it, it took some self honesty. So first of all, I had to go back through my life and look at it honestly and say, what what really happened here? Mm 
And when I go back and I look, there were many, 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 many times that I was 100% convinced that I'm going to go have a couple of drinks. Mm -hmm. Uh, For instance, I remember a part of my career when I would go to uh, a happy hour on Thursdays. And we would go to this happy hour. And I remember like 3.30 in the afternoon, I'm starting to get excited for happy hour. But, 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 I had been warned by my boss about my behavior at happy hour. Uh, I had been warned by my ex-wife about my behavior because I was getting home at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, I had had warnings. And so I had decided that the real problem was Jaeger. (laughs) Jaeger was the problem. And so like 3.30 comes along, I'm getting excited. 4, you know what, 4.15, I'm cutting out early. I'm going to head across the street. I'm going to go do this. And because I decided that the problem was the chemical and not me, because I decided that it must be what I'm drinking, not the fact that I have a problem inside, the whole way over there, I'm like, I'm not doing shots tonight. I'm not whew, not doing shots tonight. I'm going to go. I'm going to have a couple of beers, and then I'm going to go home. And I really believe that. Mm-hmm. I really, really believe that. So I'd go over there, and I'm walking in. No shots, no shots. I go to the bar. I get two beers, right, because... One for the walk over to the table and two, because you don't know when the waitress will be by, so you better grab two. (laughs) I go sit down, and here's the problem, is that once that beer goes in my system and that reaction begins, I now want drink number two more than I wanted the first. I want drink number three more than I wanted the second. That craving begins to build. Also, my ability to make a sound decision, my ability to of thought over physical Mm-hmm. is now pretty well gone. Right. And even though I had really pep talked myself, I'm not doing this, you know, a beer or two in, so he was like, hey, y'all want shots? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> we're doing this. I forgot everything that I told myself I was going to do. And that happened to me over and over and over and over and over. And so basically, to recap this symptom, this physical allergy is an abnormal reaction where it makes you crave more once you put it in. And if you have this symptom, that means you do not have complete control over the amount you consume once you start some of the time. Okay, so allergy. All right. That's allergy. So, so now let's hear about the insanity. And what do you mean by it? And we don't want to run out of time here, so you got you got to go. I'm going right. to need you to not heather this, but anti-heather this so, delivery. So since I have the what they call the insanity of the mind, or a peculiar mental twist, um, the fellowship calls it a mental obsession, but whatever. Um, if I have this, then what this means is that I have insane or illogical thinking before I drink. So we're chronologically doing these the opposite way because the literature does it the opposite way. Um, It's very important to understand that I get a period of time sober, and it could be two weeks, it could be six months, it could be five or ten years. Why do I return to it? What insanity is going on in my mind that justifies and rationalizes one drink, one pill, one whatever. Why ex- Why insanity? Why'd you come to that? My in- it's insane because in light of the experiences that oh, the I don't... consequences, do, that I, It doesn't necessarily have to be consequences, but my experience shows me I don't drink or do drugs very well. Like there's a catalyst for me to have stopped. Right. right. There's something going on. And so okay. what this means is life, your life, your experience with drugs, your drinking or drugging career has given you a good reason to not do it anymore. By the way, people that have no idea what we're talking about, like the folks at church, when I say my drinking career, they always <laughs> laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we look at these drinking and drugging careers, for me, my life gave me ample reason to not touch it again. 
I got seven felony convictions. I was in jail a lot. I lost my children. I was homeless. The guys on drugs that I was hanging around would beat me up. I had a plenty of reasons to cut and run and not do it anymore. And I wanted to cut and run and not do it anymore. But I'm insane. My experience showed me that despite my resolve, despite my desire to be sober, I get loaded again eventually. I love that I'm videoing this right now. And when you said I'm insane, I'm just going to cut that <laughs> and I'm going to play it on a loop and I'm going to post it on Instagram. I hate you. I hate you so much. As you should. All right. So <laughs> the problem then. Centers in our mind rather than our body. Why, why? can't Why can't I leave one alone? Because if I could leave one alone and never touch it again, I would never set the allergy in motion and there would be no problem. So I have to back up and say, why do I return to the game and try it again? All right, so don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to tell you why the physical allergy is not the actual problem, that the problem resides in our mind. Be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio, your mediocre podcast Shut hour up. with Heather and Donnie. Don't say that about me. <laughs> but me, it's okay. That's fine about you. Don't make me sad about me. Oh, my God. So welcome <laughs> back. Today, we're talking about the first step. Uh, for the first two halves of the show, we just kind of pontificated about our boring lives. And then we really wanted to jump into step one. And this is part of our doing a step a month, right? So this is step one. And we've now talked about the physical allergy and we've talked about the insanity. So in your own words, real quick, wrap up what you, th how you would explain insanity of the mind and having no choice. In light of consequences, like we could go back to my story, right? We could go back to my story where my boss is warning me like, bro, you can't come act like this at a happy hour with the people you work with. Mm -hmm. There's there's consequences there. I've seen people get let go over stuff like that, right? And it doesn't even have to be like legal or stuff like that. It could be health consequences or isolation or depression consequences. Correct. Like so when I'm facing consequences, if I drink again and yet I choose to drink again, that means that the problem actually centers in my mind. Because if I only had the physical allergy then you would just never drink and never set it in motion. I'd put it down and be done. So if you have this insanity of the mind, what that means is I have no choice in drink. Correct. I'm going to drink again against my own will. And point, for those of you out there listening who have been sober for a period of time, this is my observation. This is not in the book. It's my observation. The people that go out with some time they don't go out because they begin obsessing about a drink or a drug. They don't typically do that. Typically, their life gets so miserable that they want that old solution back. Because if my life is that miserable, I know that alcohol is going to lead me down a bad path. But I also know within two shots of Cuervo, my internal condition will change for a temporary part of time. You know what I mean? For a temporary bit. Yeah, yeah. And so that's typically what we see in relapse. It's not like this, oh, I've just been thinking about a drink for 27 no. days. Now it's more like I, it's an internal thing that happens and I may not even know what's going on. And I'm like, I am so miserable. Mm -hmm. I need relief. And I'm either going to eat a bullet or I'm going to drink. So I think needing relief 
from a sober condition is the key phrase to hang on to there, not necessarily consequences, because some people have this illness with no consequences, and that can be uh, hard to identify with. So I'm going to go into the second half of step one real quick, which is the unmanageability piece. So on one hand... And a piece that's overlooked in our fellowship a lot. So I think that... Uh, Whenever you hear step one by anybody, all they ever say is powerless. Yeah, powerless. Right. And, and they don't really dive into this unmanageability piece. There's two ways to look at unmanageability. Both are true and both are supported by our literature. So I want to satisfy every big book thumper listening for just a second. And non-big book thumpers. And non- yeah. So, and people say that meeting makers make it. So Go there's, ahead. there's two ways to look at unmanageability and both are true and supported by our literature. Number one, um, I, number one is, is that I don't have the ability to manage the decision around the first drink. So that's one way to look at it. And that's pretty common base idea in 12 Say that again. I don't have the ability to manage the decision around the first drink. Okay. But All right. Because the first it. drink is the crux but of the problem, right? that's insanity. Okay. So there's another way to look at unmanageability, and it's from a different angle. It's from a sober angle. Okay. And so instead of using the word unmanageability, you could use the word spiritual malady that the book uses or bedevilment that the book uses. Um, and also we call this untreated alcoholism or a dry drunk. Have you ever heard of the phrase a dry drunk? So this is someone. This is why my sponsor said three weeks ago, and I can't get it out of my head. I can't treat my alcoholism with sobriety yeah. alone. So I can't treat my alcoholism with sobriety. And so what a dry drunk is, or what an unmanageability is, um, according to the chapter we agnostics as well, and page fifty one and fifty two clearly outlined that this is sober, not when drinking. Of course, you suck at managing your life when drinking. I'm talking about when you're sober. So when you're sober, all these different things that they call selfishness manifest in various ways, right? Mm -hmm. And so I have trouble with relationships. Maybe I have financial trouble. Maybe I have work trouble. For me, it was laziness, lack of motivation, tons of anxiety, tons of depression. Sober. Right. Sober. I'm so uncomfortable in my own skin. Isolating that. I need relief. I need help. I need something else to change the way I feel. And so through this unmanageability, through this spiritual sickness that I have, I marry lots of different men. I buy different houses. I start different companies. I shop. I eat. I whatever. So you're looking to for external things to bring you internal I'm comfort. I'm looking for external things to bring me internal comfort. And this is a delusion that we seek for years or decades on end. And, uh, and so that's why all the times, even when I went to jail and I was sober like three months and I swore I would never do it again, when I get out... I'm so uncomfortable in my own skin that I can't take being me one more day. And then eventually... When I, do you think that's going to go away? Eventually, I, it's gone now, but that's this is old Heather. This oh. is sick Heather. Oh. And so when we look at that, we look at unmanageability. Maybe I, I'll use I statements. I sucked at housework. I did not have proper energy or motivation to take care of my home. I'm really I, waiting for that to be fixed. I, I, our house is clean now. Thank you. I uh, did not have proper energy to take care of my children and teach them things and read books with them. Um, I, I was just full of self-pity full of, you know, victim mentality. And there's different ways and behaviors and thought patterns that my spiritual malady manifested. And so what it meant is despite my faith, I had faith, despite the faith I had, I had no trust, relationship, or connection to the God I believed in. And so therefore, I was so spiritually sick and uncomfortable being me, I eventually found something I loved, which was opiates. It was a break from you. Opiates was not my problem. Opiates was a solution 
to or me a being sober. Of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we look at unmanageability from that context, powerlessness is about my relationship with alcohol or drugs. Mm -hmm. But unmanageability is about my relationship with myself and the world around me sober. And so we really have to take a look at that. And what we find out in the 12-step world is the reason we go and work the 12 steps is to undo the spiritual malady. We get spiritually connected. Uh, as a result of working the steps. And when I'm spiritually connected, I'm connected to God. The promise is, is that my higher power that I'm connected to now removes my insane thinking. So therefore, I never have the insane thought, hey, you could drink. Hey, you can take that pill. Therefore, I never set the allergy in motion. So there's a spiritual solution to all three issues, the spiritual malady, the insanity of the mind, and the allergy. And we have a great illustration for this. So uh, we will actually post this today or tomorrow. Well, let's see. This airs on Sunday. We'll post it Sunday afternoon or Monday. We'll post the cycle of addiction. Yeah. Because it's a good illustration of what we're talking about. And it's about. not the clinical cycle of addiction for any LCDCs listening. It is the 12-step cycle of addiction from the doctor's opinion written by William D. Silkworth in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. All right. So... <clears throat> So if they, if our listener gets down with the allergy, you know what? I drink more than I want to when I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Or they get down with the insanity. That they, they drink against their own will. That they drink when they don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, then they're what's called a chronic alcoholic based on those two symptoms. You what's What's the solution for them? I just told you. Working the 12 steps and getting a spiritual so connection. find a 12-step fellowship. 12-step programs are one way, one quick, easy way to do that. If you fully do the program, there's probably other ways to get spiritually connected. We have no monopoly on God, you know, but... But it is the one where I've... It's one of the only ones... And this is honestly. Yeah. Because I know people that are in... And I'm not, I'm not dissing any other fellowship. I'm real. I promise you I'm not. Mm-hmm. The problem that I see is that you have all kinds of uh, religious 12 steps. You have uh, Buddhism, like uh, go meditate stuff. Here's the problem. I believe in God today, and I I have a relationship. That you didn't when you came in. But that alone is not what keeps me sober. Mm I am a little extra, and I need a spiritual program of action. And I think the problem with some of those fellowships is they lack. The action. They do. They lack mm-hmm. the, the service work. They lack. So, yes, we have no monopoly, but I will say I've seen way more people get sober, stay sober, and find a level of joy and happiness that I don't see in others. I think the idea is to But ma- that's just my view. To maintain or continue to grow along spiritual lines. And I think in the 12-step world, the way that that program is constructed with the circle of giving back, um, it's, it's so easy to stay active and taking actions for my own spiritual growth. It's so Mm -hmm. easy because it's such a reproducible, clear-cut direction process. And I don't find that in some other programs. But um, I'm just, I'm passionate about what worked for me. There's lots of other people sober and doing well in other spiritual programs too. And I do tell them, hey, go go find the one you like. For sure. We're always going to be here. Yeah. There's you know, if it doesn't work. work, and maybe it does. Well, that was a quick run through of uh, doomsday prepping and step one. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're going to go here. Don't forget, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. Thanks for listening to Relevant Recovery Radio today. Hashtag God, though.